This is the Value Investor Podcast with Tracy Reinick. All things value, all the time. Welcome back, value investors. So you may have heard in the news recently that Berkshire Hathaway sold all of its newspaper business uh, to Lee Enterprises for $140 million in cash. I also mentioned this sale on last week's podcast, but I wanted to talk about it again because it's been bothering me since I mentioned it on last week's podcast as uh, kind of like a sign of when you should sell. So in case you don't know, I'm going to provide a little more details on this sale. So Lee Enterprises has been managing Buffett's newspapers for the last 18 months. And so Buffett was basically already vetting the management to see if they knew what they were doing and all of that stuff. And then he decided, yes, they are. They know how to manage these. And I'm going to sell basically what's my baby to to them for this $140 million because he's owned some of these newspapers for decades. So he's owned the Buffalo News since 1977. So this is a long, long-term investment for him. And he admits that uh, newspapers are one of his favorite investments. And mostly that's because they've had a moat. For almost all of their existence, they've had a moat. And what that means is like some of the towns, if you think about it, the smaller ones that just had local newspapers uh, would only have one newspaper or even the bigger cities like Chicago basically has two newspapers, the Tribune and the Sun-Times. But both of them, you know, they, they have pretty strong moats as well, even though there's two of them. And they always would have a monopoly on uh, two areas, the ads that you could put into the newspaper that... Uh, many people like to read over the course of, you know, decades, basically, you could get ideas on where to travel, hotel ideas, uh, how, what kind of house to buy, because there were house classifieds in there in like the home section. You could find a job. You could put ads in in yourself for in the classifieds for garage sales or if you were selling something else or looking for, you know, a dog or a pet sitter, that kind of stuff. And all of that was a monopoly. Like there was only one place you could go to do any of this. And Buffett loves those types of businesses. And for decades, these were very profitable businesses on all levels, on the local level, at the bigger city level, um, basically all levels. But then, lo and behold, the internet came into being in the 1990s. And slowly, it started to chip away at this monopoly that the newspapers had. So it kind of started with Craigslist, which is still in existence. And that started to chip away at the classified revenue, because now I no longer had to just put an ad in my local paper and pay, you know, 15 to 20 bucks or whatever it was. I could do it for free on Craigslist and get even the same or bigger response as everybody started figuring out, hey, I can find an apartment or post a garage sale over there on that Craigslist thing. And so slowly, the advertising revenue started to decline at the newspapers. According to the New York Times, 
In 2012, Buffett described himself as a, quote, newspaper addict, unquote. Um, He did own 31 by the end, 31 newspapers and dozens of secondary publications that were put out by these newspapers. And in a 2019 interview with Yahoo Finance, he described, though, the industry as moving from monopoly to franchise and then to competitive. So that's also interesting because really you want to go the other way around. (laughs) You want to go competitive to franchise and then you have a monopoly, but it was, it was moving away from his monopoly. As I said, once the internet came into being and ad revenue now has fallen by more than half in the last 15 years in just the United States. And we've all seen the results of that fall in revenue. We've seen the layoffs of, you know, editorial and reporters and marketing. There's been a lot of consolidation of the newspapers. Some have just gone completely under. Buffett himself has been buying more newspapers in the last decade, though, because they've gotten under distress and gotten pretty cheap. So he's done his thing of like, hey, these are cheap. Let's go in and buy them. But um, he also has said that in the past they got the newspapers so cheap that the falling revenue wasn't as big of an issue for them as it would be for some of the other newspapers. So in other words, they weren't as desperate over the last couple of years. But this brings up the question, why did he wait so long to sell? Because Going back several years, he's been making comments about the decline in revenue. And as we all know, he's he's not a dumb man about how companies are run and operate. And he himself saw it going from a, uh, an industry with moats to one without. And so they couldn't have been thinking, oh, yeah, this will change and go back the other way sometime soon. No, it it did not and will not. And so he just kind of kept holding on year after year. Now, this was a small investment for Berkshire Hathaway in the grand scheme of things. So it was just kind of like his own little, as he said, newspaper addiction that Berkshire could easily absorb anything that was happening there. But it brings up the question of why didn't he sell sooner than now in 2020 if he recognized that the conditions in the industry has changed. And this is an issue that most of us as investors have. We get attached to certain industries or companies in our investing, especially ones that you might own since 1977 and ones that had such a powerful moat that were basically like cash generating machines at one point when he was buying them. That's why he loved to buy them because he'd just look at those balance sheets and be like, you know, all right, like cheering it on until it wasn't. And a lot of this comes down to our emotions, right? If this is your favorite area um, and it's always worked in the past, it's hard to control your emotions when the story has now changed. And even apparently for someone as great at controlling his emotions as Warren Buffett, because uh, I don't know if he'll get asked in the next interview or not about the newspapers since it's now a done deal and it has been sold, but why didn't he sell 
a couple of years ago. Um, why, why did he keep hanging on? And we all know kind of why is because it's really hard to change course once you are in an investment and you really, really like it. You do get attached. That's just human nature. So I thought I would look at what we could do to avoid this same kind of investing mistake that Buffett made. It didn't turn out awful for him in the end. As I said, it's, it's just a small holding of Berkshire Hathaway. But some of the rest of us might have more at stake in our favorite investment that maybe we shouldn't have. And so it's good to know, like, when do I sell? Uh, something where an industry has changed, when it's gone out of favor, when it is no longer the moat that it used to be, and how can I get out earlier so that I'm not harmed by it? Um, so the first thing I would do and say is to watch the fundamentals. And I'm sure, and Buffett was doing this, as he has even said, the newspaper industry has seen ad revenue falling in, in his own companies for years now, several years, years, a decade. So that was not any different. So he knew what the fundamentals were. So you can do the same thing. Check to make sure that you are getting rising revenue year after year, not falling. Um, check earnings. We talk a lot about this with value traps. Are they falling year after year or are they rising? And you know, if you have a fall for a year or two, that could just be a temporary blip. Something's happening um, either globally, there might be a recession, that would be normal to see a fall in both revenue and earnings during recessionary periods. That's not a change in the overall industry, but uh, that's why you have to dig in a little deeper to know Buffett knew because he said it, that the ad revenue was in the decline in the entire industry over, you know, many, many years. And there's no catalyst that's going to turn that in that industry. So keep those things in mind. I thought I would look at five different companies. I kind of just pulled these out of the air. I did not screen for them, but I've been running across some of these in my own just investing research, and I've been watching some of them. Some we've talked about on the past on the Value Investing Podcast, but some we have not. And some of these are in industries that are looking like they may be changing as well. And how do we evaluate that? So let's start off with the first stock. It's Mosaic. I know I've talked about this one, ticker MOS. It is one of the biggest fertilizer companies in the United States. It's a Zacks number five right now, which is a strong sell. And the reason for that is because those earnings estimates have just gotten killed for 2020 and 2021. They've been slashed again. Um, a lot is based on the trade deals. The farmers are suffering. Some of it's weather-related still. But this uh, earnings down big, so expected to be down 77.8% for 2019. It is expected to see some rebound in 2020, but the estimates keep getting cut there too. So um, this seems somewhat negative, but I don't think farming's going anywhere. Like that is an industry that we still need. It doesn't mean there won't be innovation and changes in it, but farmers are still using fertilizer. So um, this is one where I'm looking at the fundamentals and I'm not thinking, 
okay, I really need to get out of this because the whole story is changing. And that's true of anything in the agriculture. I didn't look at deer or agco, which do the equipment, but equipment is going to be used. There might be innovation in it and what types of equipment are used for farming, but we're still going to need something to do the farming. Some might have AI on it in uh, you know short order and more tech, but we're still going to need equipment fertilizers, these things are still going to be around. So first company is Mosaic MOS. Then I took a look at the most obvious one that most people are saying, oh, the industry is really changing here. And Jim Cramer has said on CNBC recently that he feels like this industry is, um, you know, going to see huge changes because millennials and Gen Zs don't want to invest in it. And we are moving out of fossil fuels. And yes, it's energy. And so this is an area that you really do have to start thinking about what is happening with revenues and earnings. And is there a wholesale change that's going to go on in in the industry? Uh, The United Kingdom has just said that they are going to try to eliminate cars, both gasoline and diesel Uh, driven cars, not all cars, just those that gasoline and diesel by 2035. So we could get more announcements from other countries putting these kinds of deadlines on where you're going to have to have electric or something else. And so you have to wonder about demand and what's going to happen with the fossil fuel industry. So the first company I wanted to look at is Exxon because these shares are now hitting um, a 10-year low, I think it is now. And the last three years of earnings have been on the decline. And some of that is the price of oil, um, but some of it is, uh, you know, just weakness in the natural gas market as well. So the PE on this one is 18.9 here. Um, I don't didn't say Mosaic's PE. I think it's like 24. It's not altogether cheap right here because those estimates keep getting cut. Um, same thing with Exxon estimates cut. So PE is not as cheap as you might think. 2020 revenue growth is expected to be up, uh, but just 2.3% and then 2021 decline of 3%. So there's really not much going on with the revenue growth and a little bit of an uptick in earnings, but that'll depend on what happens with um, price of oil and price of gas as well as we go into the next uh, two years. So, but all the energy stocks on the fossil fuel side are at risk here. You could also see disinvestment from big uh, investment companies or especially universities and their endowments. There's already pressure by the students at places like Harvard and Oxford to get out of these types of investments. So if you've been a long-term energy investor, you may want to start to reconsider what is happening in the industry, not just with your company, but with the entire industry and take a deeper dive into what are your risks there. And what is your level of, um, you know, pain (laughs) and look into where else could you be invested where you don't have this kind of uncertainty. So keep all that in mind with the energies, but Exxon, ticker XOM. And then I thought I'd take a look at some coal names. I have not looked at coal names in, I don't even know, maybe 10 years or so. But the one I I, um, saw 
turned out to be more interesting than I thought. So it's Warrior Met Cole, M-E-T, Cole, ticker is HCC, and they actually supply a premium hard cooking coking coal to the global steel industry. So a little bit more specialized than I was thinking when I was like, oh, I'll just go find a coal company. Its shares are super cheap. P is 5.8. One year, these shares are down 21% because the steel industry is really getting hammered. And so they're trading in line with that. Revenues expected to be down 2020, 15%. Earnings down um, another 35% in 2020. You do get a dividend yielding 1.1%. But because they're involved with steel, that's why, and that's struggling, that's why you're getting this decline in revenue. So is this really an industry-wide issue or just um, a steel issue for now? Uh, it's unclear to me. But um, again, this is the type of company that if you're thinking, you know, you want to or you have been owning it because you're in love with it, which I kind of doubt. But if you are, um, everybody has their certain area that they really like. So I understand that in investing, um, this might be yours. But this is one where you're going to have to kind of check your emotions and do the deeper dive. And then I had to look at the steel stocks, too, because... After seeing that with the coal, I know steel has been struggling. So I looked at U.S. Steel, which is just ticker X, X as an X-ray. It's got, it's so old, it's got the one letter that's real prestige on the stock market. And this one, um, it's down 64% over the last five years. And it's now trading down near those five-year lows because the tariffs are really hurting them. And um, we have the 2020 revenues expected to be down 11%, another 1% for 2021. It now has no PE because the ne- the earnings have gone negative. They made just $0.09 cents in 2019, expected to lose $1.39 here in 2020. That's a pretty big drop there. So a lot of uh, pain and things going on in the steel industry as well. So again, that's another one that there's been a lot of changes and now we have the tariff issue. So you're going to want to deep down and dive deep to look into this uh, area as well. And then I thought I'd take a look at one of the retailers because we do tend to fall in love with the retail stocks. I know I do because we use the items that we buy there. So we do the buy what you know type of mantra and we can buy a hot retailer and then it turns out not to be so hot because things go wrong or they overexpand or new management comes in or even their product does get uh, stale and there's innovation and they don't keep up. And so it's really hard to get a moat in retail. Some companies can appear to have a moat for a number of years and investors, you can kind of cash in on that. And um, you kind of know what I'm talking about with those. Like they just have a brand that's so strong in a certain area. It appears to be moat-like. But others don't have that. And the company I'm looking at is Macy's, ticker M. So they just recently announced that they're going to close another 125 stores. They are also laying off about 2,000 in the management ranks. And they are abandoning a lot of the just regular uh, shopping malls that you find um, just in in the middle of the country, uh, your regular not super exciting mall. 
but um, they're, they still have a decent number of stores. I think they have about 600 and a little over 600 stores now. So getting rid of 125, still going to have quite a bit, but a lot of people still see this as another death knell for the shopping mall. And I took a look at the earnings expected to decline this year and next year. They're probably even worse once the analysts actually start accounting for these store closures and other costs here. Um, but I went to take a look at revenue and I looked back a little bit further. When was revenue good? When were they growing revenue? Have they in the last couple of years? I didn't know. But revenue apparently peaked in 2015 and it's been on the decline ever since. So that's five years of declines. And according to analysts for now, it's expected to decline through 2022. So that's seven years of a revenue decline. And I always remind people, there's a lot of companies out there. Do you want to be buying the company that cannot grow sales? That's seeing it decline year over year. Or do you want to grow or buy companies that are growing it, that are finding that new customer, that are excited about new opportunities, new markets, new products, all of that. And there are a lot of those even in an area like retail. And um, you know who they are because I've talked about them. I tweet out about them. There are retail winners. And now there's some retail losers. As value investors, we can look at some of these and say, hey, if it goes cheap enough, I might be interested in getting in there. That's what Warren Buffett would do, right? If it gets super dirt cheap. Um, but with some of these, again, with changes in the industry and the business model that these companies are following and have been for a couple of decades you have to be cautious about whether or not you're actually finding a value or you're getting into something like buying a newspaper right here. There's a lot of newspapers that appear cheap, right? And Buffett has been buying them the last couple of years because to him, like, oh, I'm getting it cheap enough. But with those revenues declining year after year after year and expected to continue to do so, well, that investment isn't really a good investment. So keep that in mind. Uh, cheap stocks aren't always the best way to go, especially in these industries that are seeing um, real change. So um, let's recap the stocks again. And some of these are not in an area that's seeing complete industry uh, devastation, but some are. So you're going to want to dig down a little deeper in some of these or wait for them to get a lot cheaper. So we had Mosaic on the fertilizer side, MOS is the ticker, Exxon is XOM. Uh, we had uh, the coal, let me see, I'm going through my papers here, Warrior Met Coal, HCC. We had US Steel, which is just X, and then we had Macy's, which is just M. So a couple of the old single digit old school stocks in areas that are struggling right here. I don't know what that says, um, but it does say something, right? Okay, so you want to be sure to subscribe because I'm continuing to bring you value stocks every week and there's a lot going on in the value area. I have some more uh, interesting shows coming up in the next couple of weeks, so you don't want to miss a single one. I um, will 
be posting these. You can get them all on Spotify, of course. And I know a lot of you are over there. I saw on Spotify's recent earnings report that they've a lot more subscribers. I think it was 125 million paid subscribers now. And so they're really putting money into the podcast. So you can get us over there on Spotify and also on Apple Podcasts and as well on SoundCloud, two for one over there with the Zach's Market Edge. But be sure to get us somewhere and I'll see you again next week with some more value stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.